is Pull Yourself Together with E. Shaver Booksellers. Hello, I'm Jessica, a lifelong lover of books, wide-ranging reader, fan of obscure British literature, all things Douglas Adams, long sentences, music biographies, the Oxford comma, always up for travel, except during COVID, and of course, Jane Austen. And I'm Melissa, an eclectic bibliophile and all-around nerd who also loves Jane Austen, comics, and cooking. Together, we run an independent bookstore in Savannah, Georgia. Each episode, we discuss the books we've been reading and recommend. Well, hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, we're, we're back, and um, we're trying to be consistent again. Yeah, and resolutions we, and, and whatnot. <laughs> yes, it's been a busy, busy year, and I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've been in a little bit of a reading slump myself, but Melissa has... It's starting to shake me out of it with some <laughs> interesting and tantalizing books. Um, yeah. so, but more about that later. Yes. So. Well, we hope you all had lovely holidays. Um, thank uh, you for buying all the books this year. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the bookstore had a lovely year and our ever-growing staff of booksellers. <laughs> I know. We need to get a few of them on here at some point. Yeah. Um, they uh, were hand-selling as they as they do, and um, recommending a bunch of books this holiday season. So, thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you, everyone, one and all. And I guess, you know, we should talk about some books that we've we have read a few books, although we've had to recently postpone, push back for a month our book groups because um, because COVID is still everywhere. Yeah, and rising around us. Um, so we're we're trying to keep everyone healthy. Um, so, yes, our podcast is kind of our only way to discuss some of these things right now. But yeah. we're, um, we're looking forward to getting back into person. Hopefully February if things I work out. I think it's probably going to be gonna, March. Yeah. Um, but, but keeping an eye on the numbers and seeing, seeing what's happening. Um, yes, but... Uh, <laughs> well, that's not a very happy way to start the new year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we did have some book groups right before um, everything started getting weird again. Yeah. And um, we read Of Mice and Men. We did, um, which Jessica and I had both read mm -hmm. uh, probably uh, several times oh, before yep. this. And I've seen the play um, yeah. on Broadway and um, tortured one of my children. <laughs> Because <laughs> they, of course, hadn't read the book yet, and they were younger, and they didn't realize. Uh, I won't spoil it if there's anybody out there that doesn't know the yeah. ending of the book, but it's it's not um, super happy. No, um, and actually, my husband hadn't read it, and it was <laughs> one of those things that, it, like, he has a master's in English, and it always surprises me sometimes what books that I think everyone should have read mm -hmm. that people who have advanced degrees in English and literature haven't read. It's just, yes. it's just a weird thing. Yeah. Um, but I made him read it and um, To Kill a Mockingbird. And he was like, <laughs> and I'm done with you. Yes. I think his reaction was similar to Henry's. Um, Henry was weeping at the end of it because it had had pictures of bunnies all on the front of the stage, you know, when we came in on the curtain and the T-shirts all had bunnies. And so I think he thought that the ending was going to be... Um, more bunny filled than it actually was. And um, he was crying and asking me, he's like, why did you bring me to this sad, sad show? Yeah, Tim was basically so. like, why would you make me read that? And I was like, but it was good, right? He's like, I don't want to talk to you about this. Like, but, <laughs> but let's just talk a little bit about it because of Mice and Men. Um, 
one thing that our classic, our Tequila Mockingbird, which mainly reads classics, uh, book group has done, and I know Melissa and I have mentioned this over and over again, but it has made me appreciate books that I did not appreciate in high school the way I should have. Of Mice and One wasn't one of that. Um, I always loved it. But but I will say reading it this time, um, even though it's only like 100 pages, mm-hmm. there were other things in it that yeah. I picked up this time when I was reading that I hadn't really focused on before when I read it. And um, so for anyone that doesn't know the story mm-hmm. of, of Mice and Men, it... Um, centers around George and Lenny, mm-hmm. who are two migrant farm workers. George um, takes care of Lenny because Lenny is... Um, Lenny, Lenny is intellectually challenged. Yes. And um, um, has a hard time... He's a good worker, but has a hard time managing himself otherwise. Yes, but he is also a very large and very strong man. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically intellectually like a small child um he's yes he's probably about oh i'd say a seven or eight year old is about his level of of understanding of the world yeah um but they so george has made a promise to lenny's Mm -hmm. aunt that he's going to look out for lenny and they don't really explain the relationship um of how that how that happens um but he he does that, and they move from farm to farm working. Um, and, and George tells Lenny this story. Mm-hmm. They have this plan that they are going to collect enough money that they're going to buy their own um, little piece of land, and they're going to have a farm, and they're going to have rabbits, mm-hmm. and Lenny is going to get to raise the rabbits. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's just kind of how they keep themselves going. Right. It's their dream. So when things have gone badly or they're having a bad day, they'll talk about the farm. Mm-hmm. And it sort of centers George um, and, yeah. and Lenny, but it, it, gives, um, it gives them a purpose and a goal, and it also helps them save money. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's... It's Steinbeck... Um, it's it, interesting. It's him at his best, and it, it is based on a true story. Um, he himself was a migrant farm mm-hmm. worker, and it's based off of someone he met while he was working. Yeah. And an incident he saw. Yeah. Um, and the, the real Lenny ended up in a mental institution, mm-hmm. um, which at that time was not a great place to be. I'm no. not sure it's ever a great time to be in a mental institution, but... but, but th- at that time, <laughs> it was worse. Yes. Um, um, and, yeah, I, but between that and reading The Grapes of Wrath, for um, which was one I did not care for in high school when I had to read oh, it. Oh, I didn't like it either when I read it in high no, school. No, but when we reread it, I loved it. Yeah. Um, um, I, I will say that, it. yeah, rereading Steinbeck has given me a greater appreciation for him. And this one, I think, is especially impressive mm-hmm. given how thin a volume it is how much he manages to do in a hundred pages and And he had written it as a experimental sort of cross between a novel and a play so he always meant it to be on the stage Mm -hmm. and um yeah he just an amazing man Mm -hmm. Steinbeck um I had always enjoyed Travels with Charlie and Cannery Row but um but yeah I'm I'm really appreciating the full body of his work now yeah absolutely um, so another book that we read for 
one of our book clubs was for the Jane Austen book club. Mm-hmm. And this one was Death Comes to Pemberley by P.D. James. And we sort of went through, and I did this on purpose when I picked yeah. the books, um, <laughs> like mysteries inspired by Jane Austen. Yes. So we did a cozy mystery that was Mr. and Mrs. Darcy solving mysteries. Which was a lot of fun. Which was yeah. a lot of fun. Um, and then we did another sort of cozy mystery that was Jane Austen solving mysteries, which Jessica did not like as much, which is okay. <laughs> yes. Um, and then this one was by a more established mystery writer, mm-hmm. P.D. James, who took... Um, she took... Uh, it was the characters from Pride and Prejudice, and there is a murder that happens. So she pushes them ahead by about six or seven years. Yes, and um, and there is uh, they're getting ready for a ball at Pemberley the, that the they annual have, Christmas ball yeah. that they have every year, and all the usual characters are coming into the house, and on the day before the ball, um, Lydia and. Uh, and Wickham. Wickham. Um, so Lydia, in true Lydia fashion, decides she's going to crash the party. Yes, she's not invited. Um, and Wickham is driving her to the ball on their carriage. And they're sort of sneaking in on the back of the property mm-hmm. of Pemberley, not because coming Wickham in. Wickham knows the property, yes. property well. Um, and so in the course of that, he gets into an argument with his buddy, Captain Denny. Mm-hmm. Captain Denny makes the carriage stop, gets out, storms off into the woods yes. at Pemberley. And is is then there is a I guess Denny screams. Do you hear well you hear gunshots shots. and because yeah. Wickham has gone off after him. Right. And so they f- um they find Wickham in the woods with Captain Denny's body. Who is his been um, hit on the head and or it appears that he's been hit on the head and yeah. is dead. Yes. And but bleeding profusely at that time. So But Wickham says, I've killed him, I've killed him, my best friend. It, and it's all my fault. Right. So obviously Wickham is um, he's arrested. He's arrested and is he goes to trial for the murder and therein lies the mystery. Yes. Um, um it's it's an I I I think that it was P.D. James loved Jane Austen, mm-hmm. and this was sort of a later-in-life project for her. Um, so I think the consensus was that although we liked revisiting the characters, it didn't hold together as well as some of her other mysteries did. No, I think um, for me personally, I some of my issues with it, um, one, I don't feel like the characters had the spark that Jane Austen's characters mm-hmm. had. Like, she took them and made them act in ways that I don't feel was 100% how they would act in mm-hmm. the situation. Um, it um, also... Um, the uh, So, I, Jessica and I both wa- re-watched the miniseries yes. of this when we read the book for Book Club. And I will say, in comparing the two, I think it's interesting... The book is very, very Darcy forward, and yes. it is very much his story and him doing and, things. And, and Elizabeth a, is kind of in the background. Yeah, she just for a fades into it, the background, which um, is such not an Elizabeth thing to do. No, and in the um, the mini series, they make her much more of a part of it, but but that also creates some weird stress in between her and Darcy that doesn't exist in the book. Right. And they seem, um, unhappy, unhappy. And the character who plays her 
doesn't match the description of Elizabeth that we've always been given, so it throws you off. But in general, I would say the miniseries is... I think the miniseries does a better, better job, job of mm-hmm. um, putting the mystery into the yeah. story. Like, so, like, reading the book, because I had seen the miniseries before right. reading the book, reading the book, even knowing what happened at the end, mm-hmm. like, who done it and all of that, because it's not different between no. the two... I would have had no idea. Like, I don't feel like it was a successful mystery in that there weren't discernible clues along the way that you could pick up and figure out the mystery. Because it was one of those mysteries where it's like, you go through, they tell you who done it, and mm-hmm. then the last 50 pages of the book is explaining how it was done or why it was done. And this is how it all happened. Yeah. And so you're finally taken behind the scenes, but... Um, and you, she does misdirect you in the book. Like I, I, I was convinced that but, it was. But there's no actual direction action. either. Like, right. that, like I, I expect misdirection, but I also, looking back on it, expect to see part of where. Like, right. Okay, that's what. But that that didn't exist in this. Like, um, it, it is oddly sympathetic towards Wickham, though. I mean, even though he does a lot of bad things, you still don't want him to die. Um, well, because, and I think that's. I think that makes sense mm-hmm. from the standpoint of. Mr. Darcy is actually oddly sympathetic to Wickham because well, they grew up together yeah. and they have shared memories. And, and if, he knows how fond his father was of him. And he's nothing if not very loyal to his father mm-hmm. and what his father's wishes would have been. So I feel like that makes sense because I feel yeah. like he's, even though he hates Wickham and is constantly torn about like he, he just, doesn't hate him so much. He wants to see him die. Right. He doesn't yeah. want to see him hanged for a crime that he does Didn't not believe commit. he commits. I will say the lovely Matthew good does play him in the um, miniseries and, and yeah, it plays Wickham. Yeah. Plays Wickham. And it's, it's, I think in my mind, that's what Wickham looked like, you know, yeah, it's a much better <laughs> portrayal of Wickham <laughs> than pretty much anything else. I yeah. will say it is one of the better Wickham's. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he brings a certain depth to Wickham in the... He brings a sort of vampire-esque quality. <laughs> oh, oh, the vampires. Well, yeah. anyway. Um, so I would say if you just want... If you love P.D. James and you just want to explore sort of one of her later projects that she did and you love... It, it's, it's not a bad read. Um, it's a, no, it's not a bad read. I just... Uh, and it does take you back into that universe. And it does... Of all the outcomes for Colonel Fitzwilliam, this is one of the most interesting. Yeah, I will say the, um, the her treatment of Colonel Fitzwilliam is is very different from all the other treatments in yeah. pretty much everything we've read. Yeah, I, so I will I will just say that even though it wasn't a winner for me, I I will read pretty much anything that's Jane Austen related. Like I'm I, yeah. I even if they're terrible. Like I have a series at home about Mary Bennett and dragons. That's how. <laughs> That's how far I'm well willing to dive into this. I don't know if I've gone that far yet, but um, okay. Yeah. Well, that does take it up to another level. Uh, that's what I'm Ooh, saying. Challenge accepted. No. Um, oh my goodness. Yes. So that was fun. Yeah. Um, and then um, again for our Tequila Mockingbird book club, this one is what that was supposed to be our our book club pick for this month, but it, we're going to get pushed back. Um, is a Secret Garden by Frances Hodgson Burnett. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm gonna make a confession. 
this is not something I read as a child. And I like, I think people are kind of shocked by the fact that I hadn't read this book until now. Um, but I will say I'm very, very glad I didn't read this book mm-hmm. until now because I, this is the kind of book that I would have hated as a kid. Like I absolutely would have hated this book yeah. and it would have been something that like my grandmother made me read and I would have been just angry about it the whole time. Well, so I'm going to say on the other side of it that um, I had, um, well, anyway, long story, but I had an interesting upbringing, but I spent a great deal of time with my great-grandmother um, who, uh, it's just a miracle that I knew her and got to spend so much time with her, but she was a big reader and she loved um, sharing with me kind of some of the books that she grew up on or that she had, and so she read all of um, Little Lord Fauntleroy and, um, oh gosh, what, um, Little Lord Fauntleroy, the, um, oh, the one where the girls, Sarah Crew, where her father, Little Princess, Little Princess, yeah. Little Princess, God, love that book, um, <laughs> The Little Princess, The Secret Garden, all of these things were um, a part of my childhood from like my re- first memories yeah. because she hated Dr. Seuss. She thought it was stupid, and she said, "You can enjoy things with real words in it." And, <laughs> uh, and fair and enough. I, I have nothing against Dr. Seuss, so I like him. So this was one of the ones that has a special sort of um, memory for me. Well, and for me, the the reason I would have disliked this book as a kid is because mm-hmm. in my head it was something completely different mm-hmm. than what it actually turned out to be. Yeah. Um, because I thought that the the garden is, in fact, magic, but the garden is not, in fact, magic. Well, it has a magic about it. Uh, mm. Agree to disagree. Okay. <laughs> well, it, but it, 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 the garden is... The garden is the... Um, thing that ties the characters together and is transformative for all Mm -hmm. of the characters but the garden itself is not not magic no there are no fairies yes and that's that's what i thought going into it that there was actual legit magic and Uh, like fantasy no narnia here no, no there is no there's no fantasy um and so for for those of you not familiar with the secret garden um it starts with Mary Lennox. Um, yeah. She is a... She's a difficult child. Well, she's always um, referred to as like sour mm-hmm. and yellow looking. So she's a little jaundiced. Yeah. So she is orphaned while mm-hmm. living with her parents in India and is kind of just like forgotten at their estate and like soldiers eventually come upon her. Yeah. It's and, not a happy story. No, it's not. Um, but so she is sent to live mm-hmm. with her only living relative in England who is her uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, they've never met obviously because right. she was in India. Um, and so she goes to this old manor on the moors mm-hmm. um, and he just completely Ignores her uh, yeah, as well. Has, has no business with her, like just doesn't want to see her. Yeah. And the housekeeper even doesn't want to see her. And she's kind of pawned off. Like there's one maid that will um, tolerate her. Uh, yeah. And like talks to her and like, and that's pretty much the only person she spends any time with. Um, but she's just left to wander around. She doesn't have a mm-hmm. governess. She's not going to school. Um, and she hears a story about her uncle's um, 
dead wife mm-hmm. used to have this garden and they used to garden in it together and that was their project and they loved being in this garden and then she fell from a tree in the garden and ended up dying and he locked, locked the door yep. on the garden and literally threw the key away so um, Victorian. so so no one could go into the garden ever mm-hmm. again so um she, of course, manages to find the key to this garden mm-hmm. and is secretly going into the garden. And and it's just kind of a story of, like... Well, she... So it turns out um, that she makes friends, unusually, with a boy. Uh, well, she makes yeah. friends with the little brother, brother of the maid who actually speaks mm-hmm. with her. Um, his name is Dickon. Dickon, yes. <laughs> um, who Dickon apparently has this preternatural way with animals and nature, mm-hmm. and he has like a fox who he's made friends with, yes. and well, and a crow, and all. And a, when you're living in the country and you've got time on your hands, <laughs> you can you can make all the beasties follow yes. you. So so yeah. she's heard stories of Dickon from the maid. Mm-hmm. And she's intrigued by Dickon. And so she and Dickon become friends. And Dickon is helping her bring this garden back to life. But then there's Colin. Yes, there's... uh, Colin is... It, Colin's the twist in the story mm-hmm. that you know, we can't give away. No. There's... The, she... Mary hears crying in the house and she hears it multiple times and is always kind of it's brushed under the carpet that oh it's the wind or or it was one of the chambermaids Mm -hmm. or something so there's mysterious crying happening in the house there's a little gothic mystery (laughs) yes it's it's it is a very victorian sort of um novel just like all the ones i mentioned are there's always an orphan or missing parent or yeah um yes and the neglected child yeah so if you if you come to the secret garden looking for actual legit magic magic no you're not gonna find it here this is a (laughs) lovely victorian tale of friendship and healing and um kind of making the best of the situation that you're in and trying to bring well, just trying to heal, yeah, um, and make your your family unit more complete. I guess yes. that's a more modern way to say it. Sorry, we have a cat invading um, our space right now. That's what happens. Yes, <laughs> it's what we do. <laughs> um, but I I have loved this book, and I I read it as a child. But then I took um, I called it Kitty Lit, but I took a children's literature class in college and we re- reread it then and that was when I really fell in love with it. Yeah, I I, I don't want people to think that I didn't enjoy reading yeah. it because I actually did very much enjoy this book but I know what I was like as a kid and I know <laughs> what I liked when I was a kid and this would not have been it but I'm but I am glad that I read it now. I like yeah, I, I feel I, like and it I was think a good it's read. a book that stands up to the test of time. Like yeah. I would definitely recommend this for a modern child. It's not dated um, no, no, the, in any way. No. I, I think it's I think that just it, a good story. Yeah, I think that this is it, it but again it has to be the right child because mm-hmm. it's gotta be, yeah, one of the the like a weird only child that hangs out <laughs> mainly with adults. That's your target audience. Yeah, exactly. Okay, dude. Sorry. Cat removal from my computer. Um, hi. All right. So Melissa what have you been reading just for funsies? Okay, well, I'm just going to talk about really quickly what I'm currently reading, mm-hmm. um, which is The Land of Big Numbers by Tae Ping Chen. Um, 
So this was on President Obama's 2021 list mm-hmm. of books that he really enjoyed. And this is one that I've been eyeing since it came out because it has a very striking cover. And um, God, I love me a cover. Mm-hmm. But um, it, just the fact that he had it on his list of books, I was like, that's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know. So it's a collection of short stories um, that are either set in China or dealing with the Chinese diaspora. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all very, very different. Um, and there's some of them that have a touch of magical realism oh, in you them. you know I like magical I realism. Um, so, like, the one of the ones that I've finished, um, and one that has kind of a little magical realism in it, was talking about um, this crop of this new fruit... And so this farmer creates Mm -hmm. this fruit and starts selling it. And people who taste it taste like a feeling or taste like a very specific moment. And it's always something that's very interesting, like like positive. And Mm -hmm. like, and so people become like obsessed with this fruit and then it goes out of season and they're Mm -hmm. waiting for the next season. And they start to have the fruit back in. And this time it makes them experience terrible things like the worst kind of feelings like horrible guilt or, uh, and like, but that would be like my everyday life. Right. <laughs> so, exactly. But yeah. it's, it's interesting because then the farmer's like, mm-hmm. well, there was too much rain this season and that's mm-hmm. why it's different. And like, it gets to the point where, um, the, the country finally bans the, the growth of this fruit because of what it's doing to mm-hmm. the people. And it's just a very interesting story. And the, the description of what different people taste mm-hmm. when they're tasting the fruit, because it's all over the map. It's they all very yellow. different. Yeah. I'm sort of, but uh, like, yes. but it or like, it's like, I taste like the breeze that blew on my wedding day, like when I was saying my oh. vows. It's just so, yeah, so specific. specific. Yeah, it's very specific. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, yeah. Um, well, I I look forward to that one. Yeah, I'm about halfway through it. It's it like I said, all Although, very very different, but really good. Again, I I'm having slow go with my reading <laughs> recently. Um, I just got stuck in a rut over the holidays, and I had I had all my kids home and a lot going on, and then the store was um, insanely busy, which was delightful, but you yeah, know, a lot. Yeah, and um, so I would come home after just talking to the amount of people that we talk to about books in a day, sometimes when we're really busy like that, like I have nothing, my brain just won't focus on anything after that. Yeah. Um, so, but, but there have been a few things. So one of, um, uh, Caitlin, one of our managers at the store knows how I love the Deborah Harkness series. And so, um, but also knows that I was a history major in college and am um, sometimes history buff. And so she gave me a copy of uh, Deborah Harkness's more academic work, John Dee's Conversation with Angels, Kabbalah, Aklam- uh, Alchemy. Alchemy, thank you. <laughs> and the End of Nature. Um, sorry, sometimes the words get stuck. <laughs> and, um, and so I've started dipping into that. It's not something that you really, I mean, for me, it's not something I read straight through, but something I pick up and put down again because it's, it's not a 
sort of continuous story. It's an academic work about John Dee's conversations with angels. So John Dee was, um, lived during Elizabeth's time. He was 1527 to 1608 or nine. And he is actually a character in the books. And so I always find it fascinating when people work real people into to, um, a series of books and it works as well as it does. And so he was a Cambridge educated philosopher and he served Queen Elizabeth as the court astrologer and um, he worked in mathematics. I mean, he was just a man of his time. He was mm -hmm. an intellectual. Um, but he had this series of conversations with angels that he used scryers, which was accepted at the time, which would have been sort of seers, almost witches, or um, to interpret the conversations. So, um, and he had several different ones, one of the most famous ones being Edward Kelly, um, who also plays in Deborah Harkness's novels. And, um, and so what he's really trying to do is just have these conversations, kind of like in Boethius, where he has a conversation with Lady Philosophy to understand the natural world, to kind of like a Socratic dialogue where there's, a, but this is with a supernatural power. And he, he goes through this years of conversations and writes them down. Um, one of the major accomplishments of Deborah Harkness is that she can make out his handwriting because there's <laughs> pictures in it and she should get a special award for that because it's not, um, if, if I thought mine was bad, his, uh, and his doesn't improve with age. Uh -huh. um, and of course, all the spelling, there's no dictionaries at this point in time. So spelling is sort of, you know, as you feel it. Um, <laughs> So I, I've really, I'm really enjoying this and all the different players that are around at this time period in Europe and, um, and at the court of Elizabeth. And if you want to take a deep dive into, um, if, you, if you like Deborah Harkness and you want to take a deep dive, I, I would highly recommend this. It's published by Cambridge University Press. Um, it's, um, so it's definitely a more academic Mm -hmm. um, work. If you have a little bit of Latin, it's helpful because she doesn't translate things in her footnotes. Um, so pull out your kids, uh, <laughs> Latin texts from school <laughs> or your old Latin text. or your gentle Google translate or your gentle Google <laughs> translate. But, um, but it is fascinating and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And I really appreciate that. It's something that I can kind of just dive in and out of mm -hmm. when, um, I want to go somewhere else. Um, in my mind, but I'm, I can't commit to getting all excited like a novel. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, um, so yes, John Dee's Conversations with Angels, um, which is Deborah Harkness's academic work. Okay. Um, so Jessica and I, um, well, the store, uh, sponsors the SCAD Film Festival every mm -hmm. year. Um, and so... Not and not just us. I mean, yeah, lots of people. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're not the only person, but the store <laughs> does sponsor the yes. film festival. Um, so one of the films that was at the film festival this year that we went to see was The Lost Daughter, um, which was directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, mm -hmm. but it's based off of an Elena Ferrante, Ferrante. novel. Yes. Um, so... We went to see the movie, and um, I had never read anything by mm -hmm. Alana Ferrante, and this was Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut. Yes. And the storytelling 
in the film was very very fractured um and which it, is it's not unlike front well i didn't books. i yeah. didn't realize that and so when we were talking about it mm-hmm. afterwards i was saying i was a little bit confused as to what was going on mm-hmm. sometimes because of the way the storytelling was and i think i'm going to read the book and jessica was like well don't expect to get much more out of it because <laughs> that's kind of how our books are and so mm-hmm. i went ahead and, and i read the novel and i will say that yeah it was a very very accurate um, book to screen adaptation. Mm-hmm. So she, she, I find that Ferrante spends a lot of time in the interior memories of characters yes. and tends to jump a lot back and forth in time. And so you'll be in one place for a minute with the character in, in current time. Right. And then five minutes, you know, a few pages later, you're back to their childhood or an affair they had or right. something else. So it, Yes. Well, and so this particular one, a lot of the book is kind of told in her head. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the movie, she doesn't do any sort of like voiceover stuff for that. It's just flashbacks, flashbacks. And sometimes just like no dialogue, cor- kind of long shots mm-hmm. of things. And you're not, sometimes you're not exactly sure what you're looking at or what mm-hmm. you're supposed to be getting from it. Um, but it's the story of Lita and Lita is a literature professor. She's divorced. Um, she has two adult daughters. Um, she is played by the Olivia Coleman, oh, who so is good. fabulous. <laughs> um, yeah. but she decides to spend the summer at the beach. And in the book, it's in the South of Italy and it's very mm-hmm. Neapolitan and they have, um, she's Italian as well. Mm-hmm. And the people she comes in contact with are Italian. So they have this kind of common cultural right. background. Whereas in the movie, they, uh, switched it and she's British, but by way, uh, she's American by way of British, British yes. um, because she teaches in Massachusetts. Um, but she, is at the beach in Greece. Yes. And so she comes in contact with a Greek family Mm -hmm. on the beach. And so she has cultural differences between Mm -hmm. herself and them. Whereas in the book, they are... Well, and there's some Russians involved in the Greek family as well. Yeah, it's a whole whole big... uh, So she comes in contact with this very loud, brash overwhelming family that I would say the, the nouveau riche um yeah and possibly some undercurrents of organized crime yeah it, yeah. it definitely has a little mob tinge mm-hmm. to it but um she becomes obsessed with this woman who's part of the family but she's mm-hmm. a very young mother who has a young daughter and she just so she'll she'll be at the beach and she'll just watch this mother with her child and just, and then that causes her to interact flash, on the fringes in a weird way. Yeah. yeah. And so it causes her to flash back to her being a young mother and trying mm-hmm. to be an academic and the fact that she just left her family because right. she wanted to pursue her career and just left. Yes. Um, and so it's her kind of working out her issues with motherhood and, um, yeah, it's, it's a very, um, psychological Intros- story. Introspective. Yes. Um, um, 
it's it's good if you're looking for like big plot driven fiction. This is this not is the not book the book. You. It's um, very it's much more subtle than that. Um, um, but if you like um, if you like Ferrante's writing, um, which is a particular, she's a beautiful writer, mm-hmm. and I think she really gets the struggle that people have, and especially the the importance of these memories and friendships from childhood that carry on through your life and um, shape you in ways that you don't really understand until you're older and are looking back mm-hmm. on your life. Um, she's a good reflective writer. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I would say it's a little dark. Um, oh, it's, it's not a little dark. <laughs> it's a- I mean, I, it, it goes to a much darker place, mm-hmm. but it like throughout the whole thing, just kind of the psychological nature of it is just, it's just You're a little on edge. Yeah. It's, it's unsettling. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's an edgy, unsettling feeling. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like you, you don't know what's wrong, but you know, something is wrong. Yeah, exactly. And so it's not exactly like a thriller, but it's, but there is a mystery involved. In yeah. It. There's, there's just a little, just a little feeling of weirdness. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's actually very good. And I, I would say that having read the book now, I appreciate the movie more. Mm-hmm. I think, um, because Maggie Gyllenhaal in, in addition to directing it, actually, uh, wrote it and adapted mm-hmm. the, the book into the screenplay. So I think she did a very good job of keeping the feeling of it, like, yeah. and made very minimal changes to it. So, yes. Yes. Well, um, very good. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm going to dive into one that I've been reading on and off. Um, it's rather a thick, but it, it has that same weird feeling, so I'm jumping to this one. Okay. Um, so this is The Morning Star um, by <laughs> Carl Uvra mm-hmm. Knausgård. Yes. <laughs> it took a lot of uh, deep dive on the internet <laughs> to figure out how to pronounce that name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we know him as an author, and we're always, um, when you say, I'm looking for a copy of My Struggle, and we're like, which volume? Yeah. Um, we, know, we, know who, we know who he is mm-hmm. and his works. And he's a, he is, a, a, again, an introspective writer. This is his first novel in a while. He has worked on a series of books about his struggles with life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, he is... Um, but he he is a very good writer. It's he's it's not a I would not call um, I would call midbrow. He's um, he doesn't write sort of again plot driven everyday novels. It's more introspective. Um, all the characters. So it's it's um, it's told from first person point of views from several different characters. Um, some of them reoccur and some of them don't. But the general overview of the book is that there is a strange star that just arrives in the sky um, out of nowhere and nobody really understands the explanation for it and some people look at it as maybe a harbinger of good things to come but in general there's some really weird stuff going on in the periphery so you don't off screen there are some murders and there's um, like a creature in the woods and all the crabs come up out of the ocean and the fish are doing weird things and birds are doing weird things. And um, it, it seems more like it's a harbinger of 
of, of Lucifer coming as opposed to, you know. Oh, hence it being called the morning star. Yes. Um, <laughs> And it has 666 pages. Of course, as well. it does. Um, <laughs> so, um, but I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I, I think I will go back. And it it's was it started. So there's some disturbing parts in it, especially if you're a, a cat lover. There yeah. are a couple of incidents with kittens that are unpleasant. So I'm just putting that out there. But I would not read the book because of it. Um, but it it. The, some of the stories I think are more compelling, but they're all compelling. One is a female priest, and she almost has that same Ferrante feel of being disconnected with her family, but she doesn't quite know why. Mm-hmm. There's a married couple. Um, she's an artist, and he's a professor, and she's having some significant mental illness problems, and he's trying to shield their kids from it and take care of them. Um, and then he has a weird relationship with his mother that kind of carries through. Um, there's a young couple. One is a musician. And um, all these people are sort of in the same area and telling about the same events, but from different points of view. Okay. So um, the first 100 pages take a minute, but then once you get going in it, it starts moving along faster. And... Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it, although I do think because I was trying to read it over the holidays that I need to give it another visit. Um, I picked it up because um, right before the holidays, we had... um, We had a frequent visitor in the shop, which was very exciting because Ray Fiennes was in town um, filming a movie, and he apparently enjoyed the bookstore and came in a lot. And he was in our frequent buyers program, (laughs) and and he's just a delightful human. and. I think he really thought we didn't know who he was for the longest time. Um, As if you couldn't know. I know. <laughs> Those eyes. But, um, but he was he just uh, lovely. But he bought this, and he enjoyed it so much that he kept buying it for his friends. And I was like, well, I need to see what this is about. Yeah. Um, and I would recommend it. It's not... Um, for most people, I don't think it would be a quick read, but it is um, compelling, but it is dark. It's, okay. um, and it, it is very um, Nordic in its feel. Um, and he paints a wonderful picture of what it's like to be there, but because um, I haven't really visited that part of the world and the names are unfamiliar with me, I had a hard time initially picking out like the genders of the characters mm, um, sure. until it became apparent in the story. And... Um, yeah, I I don't really know. I, I'm, I I don't know that I'm giving it a good description, but it's um, it is an interesting book. Okay. It really is, um, and and worth worth the time to jump into it. All right. Um, did that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. I, f- I I don't. I also don't want to give a lot away about um, everything that happens in the book yeah but um but yeah there is definitely a deeply creepy feel to it okay okay um so the last thing i have um is a book that i read um because our penguin rep 
told us that the author is actually from Savannah. Oh, yes. And so I was like, all right, I'll give that a try. It's sci-fi. Like, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. down. So the book is called Deep Dive, and the author is Ron Walters, and he is from Savannah. He doesn't live here currently. Um, he actually mm-hmm. lives in Germany, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I would recommend this book to anyone who really enjoyed Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. And if you're like me and really enjoyed that book and didn't understand the physics in that book Mm -hmm. at all, this one's a good one because (laughs) it has that same sort of vibe, but you don't end up feeling like a complete idiot when you're reading it. So it's about um, a man named Peter, and he is a video game developer, and he um, has put out a big game and it was a flop Mm -hmm. and so his company is sort of failing he's working on a second game and this one really needs to be successful Mm -hmm. um and he's spending a lot of time away from his family he has two uh small daughters and his his relationship with his wife is a little bit strained because he's always having to go to work and he's just not home and fulfilling that obligation and he he does feel bad about it like it's a it's a, mm-hmm. something that he he talks about um but one of his old business partners like he and a friend um initially started the video game company mm-hmm. and he went off his partner went off and is like a tech genius and has created a whole bunch of stuff. And he's been working on this virtual reality headset mm-hmm. and they call it deep dive. And so he decides to work with Peter on doing like a VR game and, and really kind of that they're going to work on this together and that's going to be mm-hmm. the push. So on um, the morning of one of Peter's daughter's birthdays, he sends him a text message and is like, okay, the, the headset's ready. You need to come and try it. Mm-hmm. And so he's supposed to be there making crepes for his daughter for breakfast for her birthday and instead is going to go and do work stuff. So he's mm-hmm. already... On shaky ground. Yeah, you know. So he goes, he puts on the headset, and the thing that's special about this headset is that it's full immersion virtual reality. Like Mm -hmm. you can't tell the difference between what you're experiencing in this and the real world. And it like, it it does something with your brain that fools makes you not seasick when you're doing it. it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, It fools you into like, it makes you believe that this is actual reality. Like everything feels like care for that. You, you smell the things you feel the Mm -hmm. things like it feels like you're touching things. Like you don't have to wear like Mm -hmm. weird gloves to do it. It's just this headset. And so he's in this virtual world and it's part of the game that he created before. Mm -hmm. And he goes through a doorway And there's this weird flash of light. And then he wakes up in his truck and it's three o'clock in the morning and he has no idea how he got from there to there. So he goes home Mm -hmm. and his kids are gone and there's no evidence of him ever having kids. And he, his wife's hair is different. The way Mm -hmm. she dresses is different. And he realizes that he's in a different reality or he doesn't know if he's in a different reality, if he's just created this family and he's Mm -hmm. having like a mental breakdown. And so like in this world, he doesn't have children. He's never had children. His video game was an immense success. It won video game of the year. 
Wow. Um, okay. And so it's trying to figure out if this is actual reality, if this is an alternate world, how he's ended up being there, how these memories of this family have come to be. Interesting. Yeah. It's, yeah. And so it's also the struggle between like him kind of realizing all of his dreams in this one reality, but not having kids and missing his children and like trying to figure out what's important to Mm -hmm. him. And, which yeah. which one he wants to live in? Yeah, exactly. Ah, interesting. It's like really it. yeah. good. Like it's um yeah it's a it's a good like sci fi thriller. Mm-hmm. The you know it just came out today too. Yeah, it just came out today. Yes. We have we have several copies of it at yes. the shop. I highly recommend it. Like it's it's a, you need to put it in your staff picks. It'll be yeah. there. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, it's it was really fun. It I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Very good. Well, that that sounds interesting. Um, I might be interested in that. Although I, I don't know if I want to be freaked out that much about what's reality and what's not. Because that's hard enough for me anyway. I already have memory issues. I don't need that. Yeah, I don't need that in my life. No. Um, so in in my reading rut, Melissa's like, I've got the book for you, but we don't have any in the shop. And she's talked about this book before. But oh, for like years I've talked yeah, about this I book. I know. <laughs> So she gave me a copy of it, and it's just one damn thing after another. And if you don't remember her talking about it on the show, um, it's The Chronicles of St. Mary's. It's by Jody Taylor. Oh, my God. It's so good. <laughs> I am like I started reading it, and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. You know, I like it. It's something different. And, um, and then I got to page 157, and I was like, where the shit hath hitteth the faneth? It starts. <laughs> And I could, like, I can't, like, I'm, uh, today I was like, you know, we could do the podcast another day. Yeah, Jessica day just, just wants me to leave her house so she can read this. <laughs> That's she, not She true. wasn't even subtle about it. She's like, I kind of just want to read my book. Yeah. If you don't want to do this, that's okay. <laughs> so it is the story of Max, who um, has had an unpleasant childhood, mm-hmm. um, although they don't really go into why. Um, not in this one. This is the first in a series, mm-hmm. and there's like, I want to say there's like 12, possibly oh, 13 okay. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, there's a new one coming out in February. Oh, my goodness. I had a lot of reading to do <laughs> then. <Indeed. Yeah. laughs> um, so Mary, uh, Mary, St. <laughs> Mary's is, um, Max ends up at St. Mary's Institute of Historical Research, mm-hmm. ultimately. And um, it's where historians investigate questions in history in contemporary yes. time. It's not time travel, but it's time travel. <laughs> it's totally time travel. Uh, but that's a secret, and we can't tell you yes. about that. Yeah. Um, but there are just a lot of endearing and charming characters in there, especially the chief. The chief is lovely. now, And um, then I, I hope he's a recurring character. Um, hello. Okay. <laughs> well, it, where I am in the book, <laughs> you don't really well, know. But there's also time travel. I guess, but <laughs> things get complicated. They do, in they fact. Do. Um, so I, if you just want a really fun romp through history, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, uh, with a sparky redhead. Yes. Yes. Uh, I Jody Taylor's just one damn thing after another. Yeah, so it's... It's just great. So it's like time travel, travel. actually pretty deep dives into history sometimes like she talks a lot about real historical things right which Um, i really enjoy and and, um just like 
really, really lovable characters mm-hmm. that you will come to care way too much about and yeah. and shenanigans and laughing mm-hmm. and and like so, you could be laughing on one page and like in tears the next page. She's sort of like um like a grown-up boarding school almost, you know, with all the personalities involved in yes, it. Yes, because um, they all they all of them live at St. Mary's. Um, because it's super secret. It is super secret. Like, nobody um, really knows what they do there. They just know that they're historians mm-hmm. and that they... Do research. Do research, yes. And there's, like, the two professors who are in R&D who are constantly blowing shit up yes. and, like... Turning yeah. swans blue and like it's <laughs> yes. Well, they they have to experiment with actual things yes. that were in history, and then there's an entire costume department, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. And there are subtle little rules that make it like she thinks of things that I think a lot of people, when they're writing books like this, leave out, which I appreciate because I'm not pulled out of this world by the discrepancies. Like all the female historians have to keep their hair long because. They don't know where they're going to travel in time. So and that helps them fit in yes. anywhere that they travel. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just the intricacies of the um, costuming for this kind of thing mm-hmm. and the mannerisms and what can go wrong. Um, <coughs> yes. Yeah. Lucy agrees. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yes, I will leave on that note because it's a happy one. And um, we've talked about some kind of darker books yes but slowly but surely i'm converting all of the staff of the store over to this series (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's gonna be like one volume and everybody's staff yeah exactly (laughs) they're just so good (laughs) yeah they really are they are a lot of fun um i would say i'm gonna finish it tonight but i will probably again fall asleep with it um i I mean you're mm. i'm right at the yeah yeah. there's there's things happening (laughs) Uh, there are things happening there are definitely things happening but dinner's not going to cook itself, sadly. That's true. Well, so on that note, we're going to um, bid you adieu. Um, yes. I hope that um, the new year has bought you all kinds of exciting new things to read. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll be back in a timely manner. Yes, uh, probably a couple weeks. Yeah, maybe maybe three. Three weeks, I yeah. would say. That's reasonable. Yeah. Yes. But um, until then, be well and read books. Read books. Yes, and, and pet pet all the cats and Obviously. puppies. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye-bye.